2 Kings 23. I'm going to read from the New International Version. I'm going to start in verse 4. If you're all there, say amen. All right. Wait just a little bit longer till you get there. Turning the pages are on your device. Let's read God's Word. 2 Kings 23 and verse 4, New International Version. The king ordered Helikiah, the high priest, the priest next in rank, and the doorkeepers to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Asherah and all the starry hosts. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron Valley and took the ashes to Bethel. He did away with the idolatrous priests appointed by the kings of Judah to burn incense at the high places of the towns of Judah and on those around Jerusalem. Those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun and moon, to the constellations and to all the starry hosts. He took the Asherah pole from the temple of the Lord to the Kidron Valley outside Jerusalem and burned it there. He ground it to powder and scattered the dust over the graves of the common people. He also tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes that were in the temple of the Lord. The quarters where women did weaving for Asherah. Josiah brought all the priests from the towns of Judah and desecrated the high places from Gibeah to Beersheba where the priests had burned incense. He broke down the gateway, the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the city governor, which was left of the city gate. Although the priests of the high places did not serve at the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, they ate unleavened bread with their fellow priests. He desecrated Tophat which was in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. So no one could use it to sacrifice their son or daughter in the fire of Molech. He removed from the entrance of the temple of the Lord the horses that the kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun. They were in the court near the room of the official named Josiah, named Melech, Nathan Melech, pardon me. Josiah then burned the chariots dedicated to the sun. He pulled down the altars of the king of Judah that the kings of Judah had erected on the roof near the upper room of Ahaz. And the altars of Manasseh had built in the two courts of the temple of the Lord. He removed from them, he removed them from there, smashed them to pieces, and threw the rubble into the Kidron Valley. The king also desecrated the high places that were east of Jerusalem on the su- south of the hill of corruption, the ones Solomon, king of Israel, had built for Asherah, the vile goddess of the Sidonians, for the Chemosh, the vile god of Moab, and for Moab, Mo, pardon me, for Molech, the detestable god of the people of Ammon. Verse 14. Josiah smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles and covered the sites with human bones. Even the altar at Bethel, the high place, made by Jeroboam, son of Nabat, who had caused Israel to sin, even that altar and the high place he demolished. He burned the high place to the ground and, and ground it to powder and burned the Asherah pole also. Last verse, verse 16. Then Josiah looked around and when he saw the tombs that were on the hillside, he had the bones removed from them and burned on the altar to defile it in accordance with the word of the Lord proclaimed by the man of God 
who foretold these things. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you today. Come by your anointing, by your power, release an unction upon all of us, giving us ears to hear and a heart to respond. What you would say to your church, your bride, your precious chosen people, we ask, Lord, for you to come in great power, Lord, even as we preach this word to the nation, Lord, to the United States of America, to our families, God, come by your power. Come on, ask God to speak to you today. Lord, speak to us today. Release all that's in your heart. We'll give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. Thank you for what you're going to do and the effects of it. May it be far-reaching even to eternity. In the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. If we ever needed a Josiah, we need one today. If we ever needed a bunch of burning and smashing and grinding to power, powder the high places In our nation, we need one today. Of course, that starts in your home and mine. There's been a lot of changes in my lifetime. I'm 51 years old. Feel like I'm 20-something unless it's early in the morning. Going to live to 120, I believe that, should the Lord tarry. And just in my years of living, I have seen radical change in our nation. When I was a kid, we went to elementary school and went to middle school. And then after that, I went to a private school. A private school had prayer. It was a Christian school, really, an Episcopal school, backslidden, but still the gospel was preached somewhat. In public school, when I was a kid, they opened school with prayer. Somebody would come over the PA system and pray a very simple prayer of blessing on the day. Well, they don't do that anymore. But you can't even bring your Bible to school anymore. They not only not have prayer in school, they have metal detectors now. And they have all kinds of atrocities. Now, I don't think we have metal detectors in Wasilla yet, but they're in most of the nation. And may they never come here because we have a great revival that's, that pours out over Alaska, down through Canada, into the lower 48. May America come into a tremendous release of power. May people let go and smash our Asherah poles. May there be a Josiah generation that rises. I want to preach to you a message called the Je- Josiah Generation. Here's how this message came about. We were in a prayer meeting, which we're frequently in, and we've got prayer here seven days a week. We were in a prayer meeting before our staff time, where we gathered and talked about calendar and and went over our different departments, our staff meeting that we have every week on Tuesday. You can keep us in prayer that God would bless that time. The Tuesday morning, we have a staff prayer time and uh, staff meeting. And our sister, who's soon to be married, um, Maylene, she was leading in prayer for the youth. Now, whether you realize it or not, our youth are experiencing some real growth. There is explosive growth that's taken place, and uh, we're excited about that. And so she began to pray for Minister David, and she prayed something, and I was agreeing, I was praying in the Spirit, and then she said, Lord, raise up a Josiah generation, and something hit me. I just, my heart did a backflip, and I thought, oh, that's right. I, I knew about Josiah because I've preached on him, studied his life before. In fact, what's interesting also to me, I, though I, I can't break down the significance of it, this text I preached from about three years ago. And so this message parallels some of what I said three years ago, almost to the day. Kind of unusual. So our nation is desperately in need of a Josiah generation. A lot of smashing, a lot of burning that Josiah did. So what happened in our country? Well, the floodgates to hell were opened in our country. 
there are a number of different reasons that, that's taken place. They, those floodgates need to be closed. And Josiahs need to rise to tear down the high places in every area of our culture, in politics, in the arts, in entertainment, in every area. We need people to rise like Josiah. Our founding fathers believed, as did the colonists, that if America was to succeed, they would have to stay in covenant with God. And if you look at the Mayflower Compact and you looked at the different uh, cornerstone documents of our nation, you will find that our founding fathers and even before them, the colonists, they believed in God. And really, even through the Constitution, you see that it's a, a declaration that we would love God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And you see these two principles throughout all of the founding documents. I mean, it's just kind of amazing. I mean, it's really amazing. And if you listen to our founding fathers, three quarters of their speech was scripture. Oh, but now that's not the case. Now we have people who have risen because the Word of God has become rare and the Word of God has been removed from schools. Prayer has been removed from schools. The Ten Commandments have been removed from capital rotundas and we have tried to be pushed into the four walls of the church and the church has been silenced even through making political declarations through different laws that are unconstitutional which those which I ignore I'll get political every day of the week as the Lord leads me I say I'm not actually I'm not political it's simple I believe God's word I believe it's truth and so I'm gonna preach that if that rubs against the grain of someone's politics well let it rub and may they get splinters may they get their hide chapped and may we have a great revival come on somebody say chapter hide Jesus come on not sure what a chapped hide is but it doesn't sound good We need, a, we need Josiahs to rise. We, we need an awakening. We need a revival. We do. We really do. Josiah is an interesting king. We're going to look at his life and from that extrapolate and then apply truths that will help us to move our nation. And, and mind you, the nation is made of families. So you can get all critical and point the finger at Washington. First of all, if you didn't vote, you should just zip your lip. You can get all critical. Come on, you need to pray. The truth is, it doesn't matter whether you're for Trump, against Trump, if you think somebody else should have been president. It doesn't matter really who's in office. Whoever's in office, we need to do the right thing. That's what we need. That's what we need to pray. Whoever's in office needs to obey God's word and, and, and see those principles applied. If you don't believe that, then you're probably just an intellectual Christian that maybe doesn't even believe the word of God, and you'll be offended at every service I preach. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I'm absolutely trying to offend some religious nonsense, pharisaical type of belief system that just thinks it's okay if you go to church on Sunday and live like the devil Monday through Saturday. And ease your conscience type of Christianity. We don't need that. We need people that are set on fire, that walk in purity and holiness. Come on, God is, God's word is real. And, and what's happened in America is it's been removed. An attempt has been to remove it. And, and, and those who have shouted the loudest have been winning thus far to remove it from from our government. You can't remove, you can't, inalien, in the, the very principle of inalienable rights, the belief that the, of inalienable rights is ridiculous if you don't have God as cre- our creator. So you remove God from the equation, the whole thing falls apart. And that's what we're seeing. Even the, even the land is crying out. The truth has been substituted for opinion. See, as a believer, we believe in absolute truth. 
which is the word of God. God's not obligated to stand over our opinions. He stands over his word to see it performed. And so opinions and reason has become, has tried to move into the place of, of, of God, the man, the center of things. And that's one of the reasons we have so many problems, because opinions change like the wind. You say, well, that's, I'm not sure if that's happening. If, listen, Adolf Hitler, you ever heard of him? There are, there are some in the world that say that the Holocaust never happened. Well, it's true. The history is trying to be changed. People are trying to change history. Adolf Hitler rammed his agenda down Germany's throat and preached an Aryan nation and said that Jews were useless eaters. And not all of Germany was persuaded, but enough of Germany was so that he was actually able to destroy millions of God's people. You say, well, that can't happen again. Oh, yes, it can. The nation who forgets their history is doomed to repeat itself. And Ecclesiastes talks about history will repeat itself. So it's time for Josiahs to rise. It's time for a Josiah to rise. Let's look at this. What is a Josiah generation? And that's the title of today's message. A Josiah generation is Maylene Pray. A Josiah generation is a generation that will do the very things that Josiah did. I said, well, what did he do? Let's look at his story. Now, his story, right in your notes there, his story is told in 2 Kings chapter 22 and 23. It's also told in 2 Chronicles 34 and 35. He became king at eight years old. Everybody say eight years old. Well, that's amazing. In the first service, we had 22 eight-year-olds in the service. I don't know how many we have here in the second. Eight years old is pretty young. He becomes king. Wow. He becomes king. His papa, if you're from the south, his granddaddy, his granddaddy Manasseh was a wicked, evil man. His name is Manasseh, and he did horrible things. The text talks about Josiah tearing down some of his granddaddy's stuff. Listen, your family, if you have things in your family that need to be torn down, I suggest you get a crowbar spiritually and a sledgehammer and ground it to dust and deal with it. And so that's what Josiah does. He, he becomes king at eight. And what's interesting in 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 2, it says he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He followed completely the ways of his father David. Wait, his father's David? No, his father was Ammon. So you've got Papa, or granddad, that's Manasseh. Manasseh's son is Ammon. And, and, and Josiah's father is Ammon. So why would it say he did what was right and followed after his father David. David was 300 years prior to this text. 300 years prior to Josiah being alive and ruling and governing was David. And here, get this. David and Josiah are not in the same lineage. They don't share bloodlines. You say, what's that about? It's, it's to me, it's a picture of you might have come from a family that was tore up. You might have come from dysfunction or abuse. You might have come out of a family that had all kinds of hard times and divorce, a long line of prostitutes or drug addicts. Or the truth is, whatever family you came out of, you need to be grafted into the lineage of David, meaning the Messiah, the son of David. You see, so Josiah didn't come from a godly line. I'll tell you what it says, though. His mama was a praying mama. His mother was a woman of God. And whenever you see a wicked king in the lines of, of the kings and the fathers were wicked and they have a son that serves God, mom did that. 
It's a good Mother's Day message. Thank God for godly mothers. You're making a difference. And you got to look at David too. Can you imagine, except for the issue with Bathsheba, his, his effect affected hundreds of years later. So Josiah, eight years old, becomes king, and it says that his father is David. doesn't talk about the wicked ones because he got adopted. Anybody get adopted into the kingdom of God? You got grafted in? Come on, your sins are forgiven. You're washed. You're cleansed. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. He governed righteously, and here's a recap of his governing. He governed righteously. Here's a recap. In the eighth year of his reign, he began to seek the Lord. That makes him 16 years old. Now, we have some 16-year-olds in the service right now. And our culture and our modern culture dumbs down teenagers. The teenagers are rebellious. The teenagers are stupid. The teenagers, well, you know, he's sowing his wild oats. Well, you know, he's a teenager. Well, well, well. I want to tell you that your kids will rise to whatever mark you put. Wherever the, wherever the bar is. And you can, you can challenge them. There's a, a group of kids. There's two brothers that... They have a ministry called Do Hard Things. You can look it up. They're believers. When I first heard about them, I think it was 15 years ago. They were, not, they were still in high school, and they were challenging high school students to do hard things. And they, they've developed businesses, and I mean, just amazing. Can you imagine if we in our own homes would raise up kids like unto Josiah, kids that, that we tell them that you can make a difference, that you're world changers. I've told my kids from the time they were in the womb, you're world changers. You're world changers. You're a king. You're a, you're a princess. In my phone, I have my daughter's, my daughter's name is not Hannah in my phone. It's my princess. She's not only my princess, she's God's princess. Come on, you teach them that they're kings and priests. I love Minister Heidi and, and Pastor Tim. They, they call their kids heroes. They have like, I don't know what the hashtag something or other Raising heroes. They have this hashtag. So you go raising heroes on Instagram and you can see all these pictures of their kids. Yeah, but they're raised. We're going to be heroes to this generation. We're going to make a difference. Not let's just see if you can not get addicted to smoking pot. Or let's just see if you can just stay a virgin to the time that you're married. I think that's a great goal. But it's more than that. I've known people that, have, that, were, that kept their virginity when they got married. They're totally perverted in their mind. Hello? Come on, smile at me. Make me feel better or something. Jesus, help me out. Listen, we can raise a godly generation. And at 16, he begins to seek the Lord. In his 12th year of his reign, he began to purge Judah. So now he's 20 years old, and he's purging Judah and Jerusalem. He begins to clean up the mess of his parents. This is a young adult. Today, there are 17-year-olds in the Philippines that are leading churches of 1,000 people. There, there are teenagers that walk five and six and seven miles with no shoes to lead a group of people and walk another five miles to lead another group of people to preach the gospel. And yet we have a generation in some places that are just relegated to sitting on their playing Xbox all their life. Lazy. Can't hold the door. Can't work. You know, there's another generation. It's called Generation Z. Have anybody heard of this? sociologists have come up with this as now a new generation. It's not the millennials. And if you're a millennial, don't be offended. Just change. If you're lazy, get, get over yourself. You don't have a job, get one. You don't have a job, get working. Find one. Pray. All right. Let me get the back door there. If you're not able to because you're handicapped, believe for healing. Do the best you can. Praise God. Amen? Okay. Oh, God. 
we pray. Raise up a mighty generation among us. Help us to do our part. Thank you, Jesus. God wants to raise up a Josiah generation. 20 years old, a young adult, and he deals with the idolatry all the way back to, so- all the way back to Solomon. Now that's amazing that all of the kings and his granddaddy and all the kings before him, 300 years, the, the, the hill of corruption and the idolatry of Solomon is still there. What in God's name with those kings thinking? Where is the fear of God? You know, what you and I are living in, we didn't create. There was a generation before us that messed it up, but we certainly are here to try to fix it. And the only thing that's going to fix it is Jesus. And the only way that'll happen is by us becoming like this guy and seeing revival. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your background is. Quit making excuses. Endeavor to change things. And it starts in your own heart. I love what Bobby used to say. He was a bluegrass musician years ago that came to church here. And he said, the Lord spoke to me and said, if you want revival, Bible, son, just put a circle around yourself. And he stood there, he said, there, have revival. And you could wait for books to be written and the guest speaker to come. And Listen, have revival yourself. Deal with, deal with the high places in your own life. It's so weird. I talked on criticism. Uh, if you weren't here on Wednesday, you probably want to go get the message. It's available. Uh, I spoke on a critical spirit. America has been covered with a critical spirit. Everybody pointing their finger at the president, pointing their finger at Congress. Everybody pointing their finger at fake news and uh, pointing their finger at educators and on and on and on. Everybody pointing the finger. Take personal responsibility because it's so upset about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are gone from the Capitol Rotunda when many of us ripped them out of our lives years ago and complains you're drinking a six-pack of Budweiser with your remote control going, can you believe it? And you're three sheets to the wind and you wonder why there's no revival. I'm not talking about you. Come on, just bump the person next to you. Say, man, he must be talking to somebody else. Go ahead and say it. The 18th year, he purifies the temple and he begins to rebuild it. Now, I heard it preached just recently that during the renovation of the temple, I couldn't find this substantiated in scripture, but it's interesting. They're renovating the temple and they find the book of the law. Now, one person I heard say that it was inside a wall and it was hidden. There's no history on that. But it does say they were renovating the temple and they found the book of the law. Which means they didn't have it before that. So it was maybe on a shelf somewhere. It didn't have any importance to them. And so they weren't reading it. They weren't declaring it. They weren't proclaiming it. They found it. It was lost. For 50 years, they didn't have the word. For 50 years, they weren't really worshiping God in a prescribed way. The priests were out doing other things. He calls them back. They're not even, there's no worship going on. Oh, how we need Josiah's. He found the book of the law and he read it. And he repented. My gosh. Some say, and it's interesting, we can't, I can't prove this, but it is interesting. Some say that he read, it was read to him, 1 Kings, I think it's 17, that this unnamed prophet is sent by the word of the Lord from Judah to Bethel, and he prophesied over the altar, and he got in trouble by the king. Is it King Jeroboam? I need to go look. But he prophesies over the altar that there's going to be this man, this raised up and his name is Josiah. That's 
300 plus years or a little less than 300 years prior to Josiah coming. Josiah is not even a common name. What a prophetic word. Some say that he read it and went and, went and performed it. And uh, how to prophesize judgment because the king calls for the prophetess and comes, prophesies judgment, but because the king repented, it wouldn't happen during his reign. And you can see this in 2 Kings 34, 27 to 28. And he renewed the covenant between God and Israel. I was, uh, I was listening to a message uh, that my mama gave me from Dutch Sheets, who I deeply respect, and Chuck Pierce. They had a conference just recently, which I would have gone to had I not been over at our own. And I listened to this message, and he talked about uh, one of the things he said in this message I was listening to is uh, David. David, King David, when he was just a, a ruddy, handsome shepherd boy, is called there in 1 Samuel, is it 1 Samuel 17? Is that where that is? You know, the, the, the uncircumcised Philistine, Goliath. And he, his father sends him to deliver pizza, cheese and bread. And he brings it, he delivers pizza, and there's this champion of Gath, Goliath by name. And he's mocking the army of God. He's mocking Israel. And David's like, what's going on, guys? And they're like, oh, here he comes for 40 days. He's mocked us. Look how big he is. Look at his giant weapons. Oh, 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 who will rescue us? And David's like, dude, what are you talking about? We're the army of the living God. And they say to him, hey, if somebody takes him out, then he's going to get tax exemption. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Tax exemption, he gets to get married to the, to the king's daughter. I mean, he gets tremendous elevation. And Eliab comes, the oldest brother. How many of you know you can have some problems inside your family when God begins to elevate you and raise you up? You'll have people who don't think you're all that anointed, think you probably should stay home with those few sheep. They'll misjudge you. They'll do all kinds of stuff, but it's just a divine assignment to make you strong and dependent on God. Just forgive them, let it go, and move forward. Forgive them, let it go, and move forward. Say it. Forgive them, let it go, move forward. Say it again. Forgive them, let it go, and move forward. Come on. Come on. They're not the the author and the perfecter of the good work that's begun in you. They're not the captain of the host over you. Come on. Jesus is the one that began it. Jesus is the one that will conclude it. Come on, you respond to him. He's the one that helped you kill the lion and the bear. Don't yield to the opinions of people. And if you're misjudged, forgive them. Let it go. Move forward. So his older brother's picking on him and he says this. And the King James, think of New King James, NIV says it differently. He says, is there not cause? So Eliab's like, dude, you just came down here to watch the battle. David's like, is there not cause? The word cause is an interesting word. And one of the ways you can see that is they're not history. You'll notice that David never spoke about to Goliath by name. He only called him the uncircumcised Philistine. What is circumcision about? It's the sign of the covenant, God's covenant people given under Abraham, even before the law. So he says, is there not cause? Who's going to take care of the uncircumcised Philistine? In other words, I know my history. Come on, God's with us. He brought us out of Egypt. He brought us through the Jordan. He brought us over the Red Sea. He's done all of these things. Come on, God before us. Who can be? Kill the fat-headed. He's uncircumcised. He's not a man of covenant. He's going down. I killed the lion. I killed the bear. God's with me. Is there not cause? I know my history. God can do it. That's the picture. I think that 
Josiah thought really the same way. And you'll see that he renewed the covenant between God and Israel. America has a covenant with God. That covenant is, is being or in the process of being broken by some. But there's a remnant. There's another group of people that are saying, no, no, no. Not on my watch. I'm going to tear down the Asherah pole, which is a phallic symbol. I'm going to deal with Molech, which is a picture of abortion. I'm going to deal with the male prostitution, a picture of watering down and destroying biblical marriage. In fact, marriage is, is biblical, so you're going to have to call it something else. Can't steal that word. And it's fascinating, they tried to steal the rainbow too. And I'm not down on homosexuals, it's sin. It's sin like addiction, it's sin like adultery, it's sin like alcoholism, it's sin. That's all it is, we love everybody, but I'll preach against sin until Jesus takes me home or we rise to meet him in the air. You can't say, and your opinion is, who gives a flip about your opinion? If your opinion is contrary to God's word, then you're going to have to do something else with that. I'm not going to live according to your opinion. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. You know, I uh, sometimes I get a little aggressive uh, while I'm preaching. And I want to tell you that uh, I've been criticized by by some well-meaning church growth specialists. No, I I, and um, I've taken it back to the Lord. I had one person say, you know, you are really intense. It's just really intense. I'm like, I thought like, yeah. They're like, no, no, no. It's, you need to be more conversational in your communication. I'm just thinking. It, the, the, only, the, the problem with that, I, I would love to just, I, actually, I really wouldn't like to be lukewarm. I, I don't want to be lukewarm, and I'm not conversational. My daughter says, you have no chill, Dad. That's right, I got no chill. Listen, you be the way that God wired you up. I swallowed a coal somewhere, and that thing burns on the inside of me. And I know that there's many times when preaching, even like today, that there's a demon spirit that wants you to be manipulated, wants you to be dumbed down and seduced, wants you to be sucked into the perversion of Hollywood, and all of America swallowed that pill, and I'm going to beat the snot out of that thing any chance I can. Will you have to be so aggressive about it? The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. We need a people like Josiah to stand up, tear it down, burn it, and grind it into powder. Can somebody say amen in the house of God? I'm just not conversational by nature. He renewed the covenant with God and Israel, and I believe... In fact, I heard on that CD that my mama gave me from Dutch Sheets preached just a few weeks ago here in Alaska. I heard that they went on a tour of the different places visiting the main cities where, where they made covenant with God. And they prayed over them. It so stirred me. America. The home of the free. The land, the, the land of the free. The home of the brave. God bless America. It's really a prayer. He blesses it in accordance with His Word as we obey it. He renewed the covenant with God and Israel. Josiah did 2 Chronicles 35, verse 18. Turn there. Now, I love this because you say, well, this is Old Testament, but there's so many applications for the new. John the Baptist, when he was there on the shores of the Jordan River, he said, there's one coming whose shoe latchet I'm not worthy to untie. And there he was, 
the suntan Nazarene standing, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now anybody standing there that knew anything about, the, about Israel and God's sacrificial system understood exactly what he was saying. Behold the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God talks about a Passover lamb that goes all the way back to the Passover coming out of Egypt. How they were to take the lamb, the blood of the lamb, and apply it to the doorposts and the lentils of their, of their door. So that the death angel, the final plague that would come over Egypt, would pass over the homes that had the blood of the lamb. And that was called the Passover. So when we see Josiah restoring the Passover, listen to this, Second Chronicles 35 verse 18 the Passover had not been observed like this in Israel since the days of the prophet Samuel. None of the kings of Israel had ever celebrated such a Passover as did Josiah with the priests and the Levites and all of Judah and to Israel who were there with the people of Jerusalem. He celebrated the Passover like no other king had. He's about 26 years old. 26 it's a picture of the celebration of the death and resurrection coming back into pulpits. I'm going to tell you, if you ever hear a limit, this might be a blanket statement, and, but, I, but it's what I believe, all right? If, if you're in church on a regular basis and you don't hear Jesus Christ crucified and the message of his resurrection and holiness and purity and all of that, and you just hear some sloppy, cute thing that comes out of the Cyclopedia Britannica, run, Forrest, run. The church of the backslidden. See, you're being kind of intense today, Pastor. I know. Listen, the devil's intense about his agenda. This Josiah guy, you should have met him. I can imagine meeting him. Do you think he walked with his hands folded? No, I think the kid was on fire. Burn it down! Smash it! Remember, it starts in your house. He celebrated the Passover like no other king. Wow. My goodness. The Josiah generation is one of repentance. Identificational repentance. You know, I, I don't have known sin in my life. And when I say it, I'm chucking myself right now. I don't have any that I know of. And yet, if you don't have sin in your life, why would you need to repent? Because you can take the place. It's called identificational repentance. It's called intercession, standing in the gap. You can stand in the gap or make an intercession for those who are in sin. You, you can repent for the sins of your forefathers. That lust problem that your daddy had. That anger problem that your mama had. You can repent for those things. And, and, and forgive and, and make a declaration. I'm not going to yield to that bent. I'm not going to yield to that iniquity. I'm, I'm going to walk as a new creation in Christ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the, the, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to be a man of self-control. Oh, God, help me with my mouth. Help me to speak as though speaking the very oracles of God. You can be a man or a woman of God that gets in prayer and learns to change your behavior instead of being somebody that just capitulates to the filth and the fly, slime that's just coming from Hollywood every day over TVs and over phones and over the media. We need Josiahs to rise. And it really is the first thing, a person of repentance. Identification of repentance and repentance on our own. A Josiah generation will elevate the word of God to affect all of our culture. Opinions don't last, but the word of God will endure forever. 
A Josiah generation is one that speaks the word. Learn to speak it in your life. I was on the phone with a relative. And um, as I was talking to them, they were talking about somebody who was dying of cancer. They're not, not believers as we know them to be. Not, not believers like you and me. There's, might believe in God, but don't really live for him. You know, demons believe and tremble. So they believe, but probably don't have any trembling and praying for their salvation. And as I was talking, there, there's a close friend of theirs that's dying, uh, stage four cancer, and, and it's just setting everything in order to die. And it's good to have your life in order. And then they said this to me. They said, yeah, everyone has cancer. You have cancer. I have cancer. So that she say, says that to me. I said, no, I don't. Said no, yeah, no. They found out that it's 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 in everybody. I said not in mine. And they said no, no, really. And I, I realized, okay, we're gonna like have a. You just don't understand what I'm saying. I'm just not receiving your prophetic word over me. I don't, you're talking about some sort of scientific thing. Uh, you, you know, everybody's got everybody has problems. I don't. I have challenges that I overcome and walk turns into victory. Everybody's got sickness. No, I don't. I got healing. I've got favor. I've got. Come on, I've got more than I need. Come on, God is more than enough. Come on, somebody understand what I'm saying? Don't receive the. I don't even. I don't like watching TV because they prophesy all this nonsense through these medical ads. Now you've fallen and you can't get up. I, know, I haven't fallen. You have to check yourself. Did I fall? Wait, maybe I need one of those things. Look, I, I understand modern technology and I understand that getting around a little bit slower and believing, you know, for God to heal you of your hitch that's in your giddy up and all that. But I mean, don't claim it. Don't claim it. I mean, it's like you could take this pill and die, but at least you won't have Emrons. You know what I mean? It's a King James for hemorrhoids, you know? Take this for your, your, your respiration challenge, but it's going to give you a heart attack. <laughs> and I love how they do it. Don't even feel like a heart attack. Most people have died. <laughs> you know, you see this. You see this. Oh, take the pill and breathe easy. Oh, and it's everybody's. Oh, and the light's shining. And there's. This is going to make something. Heart attack, liver problems, kidney problems, skin rashes, and death. And you're like, but you see this. Oh, I mean, it's like the devil, for God's sake. So many class action lawsuits. Jesus, help me right now. Let's get back into the message here. The desired generation will be one of the zeal for God's house. Zeal for God's house. Listen, when that's, when that's playing, mute it. Turn it off. Do something. Don't just listen to that thing prophesy sickness over you. Joshua generation is zeal for God's house. You know, uh, I love sports. I love sports. I mean, I, I really do. I, in fact, I, I've really enjoyed playing them more than I do watching them. I, liked, I love team sports, and I was into it. But I want to tell you something. If you love sports, wonderful. Sports are not more important than God. Praise God for DVRs. For the big game. I haven't quite figured out how to use that, but... God is more important than sports. And if you don't teach your kids that, well, how can we expect them to, to serve the Lord and go to church on a regular basis and be a part of the community? No. Josiah generation will destroy the works of the devil. 
That's what Josiah did. He tore down all the sin, dealt with his generational sin, dealt with the sin of his forefathers. And all the way back, dealt, ripped down, tear down, dealt with every high and lofty thing that was raised up against the knowledge of God. And I'm going to tell you, if you're going to be part of a Josiah generation, you're going to walk in victory, you're going to walk in freedom. If you're who the sun sets free is free indeed, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I will tell you, this is my experience. Don't be offended. Okay? Embrace, brace yourself. Just hold on to your seat. Okay? My experience is that three quarters of the church, the body of Christ, is bound. That's my experience. My experience is that most people are not free indeed. They've received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but they, they, they're still, they've still got issues that are kept them in bondage. I want you to know that you can be set free from that thing. It's like the two guys that escaped from the penitentiary. Oh, they were free running through a swamp looking over their shoulder. They're free. And they're not behind bars anymore, but the, the sheriff's department's hot on their trail. And they got, got hound dogs, blood do- bloodhounds. Dogs chasing them. They got people looking for them that hiding out under in barns and underneath the, oh yeah. They got free. Those boys got free of the penitentiary. But they're not free indeed. Free indeed means you don't have to look over your shoulder anymore. Free indeed doesn't mean you're hiding behind the curtains of your house like some paranoid person terrified about what's going to come. Constantly looking in your rearview mirror. Constantly looking in your rearview mirror just thinking, they're going to pull me over, they're going to pull me over. And you pull over and they go by, you're like, yes, Jesus. I know I should get insurance. How about get insurance? Look, you're, you're called to destroy the works of the devil, and I'm going to tell you it starts in your life. You can be as free as you want to be.